well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company, where my name is Cam Edwards. Well, yeah, I mean, that's my name is Cam Edwards everywhere, but uh, I'm glad that you're with us on the program today. We've got a lot to discuss, including a uh, 9-0 decision by the Supreme Court today in a Fourth Amendment case uh, dealing with Firearms, a, a case called Coniglia versus Strom. This was decided by the court uh, on Monday morning. The opinion announced, and again, a rare nine-nothing decision uh, in a case that uh, could have some far-reaching implications, not only for uh, gun owners but for Fourth Amendment enthusiasts. Uh, it may also actually tell us a thing or two uh, about uh, where the court might be leaning when it comes to some uh, Second Amendment issues. We're going to get to that momentarily, but before we do, speaking of court cases, you know the Second Amendment Foundation is involved in a lot of legal action defending your right to keep and bear arms around the country, uh, filing lawsuits on a regular basis, challenging unconstitutional gun control laws, and the threat has never been as serious as it is right now. Uh, we know that gun control advocates believe that they are in this window of opportunity to pass all kinds of new extreme infringements on our right to keep and bear arms. And the Second Amendment Foundation is there to challenge those proposals when they take effect. You can be a part of that legal defense of our right to keep and bear arms. All you have to do is text JOIN SAF to 474747. Again, that is JOIN SAF to 474747, and you too can be a part of the effort to defend our right to keep and bear arms against these unconstitutional attacks. All right, again, as I mentioned, a 9 nothing decision coming out of the court today in this case called Coniglia versus Strom. So here are the facts of the case. Uh, and I'm quoting here uh, from the Supreme Court's opinion. During an argument with his wife, Edward Coniglia placed a handgun on the dining room table and asked his wife to just shoot him and get it over with. Uh, his wife instead left the home and spent the night at a hotel. The next morning, she called the house and was unable to reach her husband. So she called the police to request a welfare check. The responding officers showed up. They accompanied his wife to the uh, home. And they encountered Ed uh, Edward Coniglia on the porch. Uh, the officers then called an ambulance uh, on the belief that Coniglia posed a risk to himself or others. He agreed to go to the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation on the condition that officers not confiscate his firearms. In other words, I'm going voluntarily. Don't take my guns. Don't try to, you know, uh, involuntarily commit me. I'm going to get checked out. I'm volunteering to go, but you're leaving my guns alone. Once Edward Coniglia left the house, however, officers then entered the home, located and took all of Edward Coniglia's legally owned firearms. Coniglia, by the way, was determined not to be a danger to himself or others. He was not involuntarily committed. He was not adjudicated mentally defective. But the officers and the police department kept his firearm, or firearms, rather. So Coniglia sued, claiming that the officers had entered his home and seized him and his firearms without a warrant in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The district court, the U.S. District Court, granted summary judgment to the officers. And the first district court of appeals affirmed that decision, basically saying, sorry, Ed, you got no recourse here. Uh, even though you were not determined to be a threat to yourself or anybody else, they, they, yeah, they had the right to go into your home, take your guns, and by the way, not give them back to you. Well, the Supreme Court says otherwise. Uh, in a decision 
authored by Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. The court said neither the holding or logic of Katie justifies such warrantless searches and seizures in the home. Katie, they write, held that a warrantless search of an impounded vehicle for an unsecured firearm did not violate the Fourth Amendment. In reaching this conclusion, the court noted that the officers who patrol the public highways are often called to discharge non-criminal, quote, community caretaking functions, like responding to disabled vehicles or investigating accidents. But searches of vehicles and homes are constitutionally different, as the Katie opinion repeatedly stressed. The very core of the Fourth Amendment's guarantee is the right of a person to retreat into his or her home and, quote, there be free from unreasonable governmental intrusion. A recognition of the existence of community caretaking tasks, like rendering aid to motorists and disabled vehicles, is not an open-ended license to perform them anywhere. And again, this was a 9 nothing decision. The liberal wing of the court, the conservative wing of the court, said this went too far. Seizing Edward Caniglia's firearms went too far. Without a warrant, going into that home, taking his guns when no crime had been committed, he hadn't been accused of a crime. At that point, he had not been determined to be a threat to himself or others, and he would go on uh, to be determined to be legally sound and sane. And this, therefore, violates the Fourth Amendment. This is a huge decision uh, and a very good decision. I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm shocked that uh, both wings of the court actually agreed on this issue. Now, we also had uh, Chief Justice, you know, he wrote the majority opinion, but there were a number of concurring opinions uh, in which uh, several justices raised, you know, different issues, said, well, okay, let's talk about a couple of these things that maybe didn't really come up, but uh, we, you know, want to put it out there, uh, including Justice Alito, who wrote in his concurring opinion, this case also implicates another body of law that the petitioner glossed over, the so-called red flag laws that some states are now enacting. These laws enable the police to seize guns pursuant to a court order to prevent their use for suicide or the infliction of harm on an innocent person. They typically specify the standard that must be met and the procedures that must be followed before firearms may be seized. Provisions of red flag laws may be challenged under the Fourth Amendment, and those cases may come before us. Our decision today does not address those issues. So, in other words, uh, Justice Alito says, look, this doesn't implicate red flag laws, although these issues may come up. Now, Justice Alito may have also kind of signaled that, at least in his opinion, uh, these red flag orders may not violate the Fourth Amendment rights of American citizens, because, again, there are procedures that have to be followed. A uh, court hearing is held typically within two weeks after the firearms have been seized. There may, in some cases, be an initial court hearing in which the uh, subject of the petition is not invited to attend, but the petitioners are. And so the judge hears one side of the story and then says, well, yeah, based on, you know, this lower standard of review, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, there's a, a, a good chance that, uh, you know, Cam uh, poses a danger to himself or others. So uh, we're going to go ahead and sign this order. Go take Cam's guns. In a couple of weeks, Cam can appear before the court and explain why he's not a danger to himself or others. I, I don't want to go too far in reading into what Justice Alito had to say, uh, but it is worth pointing out that Justice Alito brings up uh, these red flag laws 
uh, as uh, not only saying, look, they can be challenged under the Fourth Amendment. Interesting, by the way, that he uh, didn't say and the Second Amendment, but they can be challenged under the Fourth Amendment. I would think that a Second Amendment challenge would also uh, apply. Uh, but that today's decision does not implicate or address uh, any red flag laws that are in place around the country. So what can we read into this, uh, if anything, by the 9 nothing decision? I don't think that uh, you're going to see Justice Breyer or Justice Sotomayor uh, or Justice Kagan necessarily uh, sign on in support of, let's say, a uh, opinion striking down New York's may issue concealed carry laws. Um, but this is, again, I think a very strong decision recognizing an individual right. Uh, one of my concerns, though, is that there are a couple of justices who did note that the community caretaking uh, provision, I was referencing that uh, the, the Katie decision, uh, applied outside of the home, right? They didn't specifically say, look, you, your, your Fourth Amendment rights are diminished once you leave your home. They didn't go so far as to say that, and that's critical. Uh, but they did say, look, this doesn't apply. The Katie decision doesn't apply because that dealt specifically with vehicles as opposed to your domicile. You know, there are some folks who argue uh, most of them are anti-gun, but there are some folks who argue that, well, OK, fine. So the Supreme Court said, uh, yeah, you've got a right to keep a gun in your house. But the Supreme Court hasn't said anything uh, about your Second Amendment rights applying outside of the boundaries of your home. Now, I would disagree, actually, if you read the Heller decision. I think that they do talk about the right to bear arms outside of the home. But the Heller decision also said that the core purpose of the Second Amendment uh, was to protect the right of self-defense inside of the home. Not that you don't have a right of self-defense outside the home, but they say the core purpose was to protect the right of self-defense inside the home. So once again, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of optimistic about the fact that uh, none of these justices tried to argue that, well, yeah, your Fourth Amendment rights are stronger when you're in your home and they disappear or they are diminished once you get in your car and you drive away, again, the, the Fourth Amendment protects the right of persons to be secure in their uh, property and their belongings. But it, again, the, the right is for the individual. The right does not is not granted to your house or to your car or to a Greyhound bus or an airplane, right? It's your Fourth Amendment right to be secure in your person and property. It is not your property's right to be secure from government intrusion. Uh, and I'm glad that the court kind of recognized that. Again, I think this is a fantastic decision. Uh, I don't think it has any direct implications on what the court is going to do uh, in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett. That's the case challenging New York's may issue carry laws. But it certainly is not a bad thing. Now, we saw nine justices uh, decide in favor uh, of the uh, individual right to be secure in your person and property in this case. Again, I doubt we're going to see a 9 nothing decision in uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett. But I, I, I am feeling even more optimistic than I was, let's say, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, certainly, uh, that we will see a good decision from the Supreme Court 
uh, when New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Corlett is handed down probably about a year from now. We do have uh, some time to wait before that case is going to get decided. All right, turning our attention uh, from the uh, Supreme Court uh, to our good deed of the day, our armed citizen story, our recidivist report. Let's start there, as a matter of fact, with a, a case out of North Carolina. We've seen these types of headlines before. Suspect charged with murder was on electronic monitoring probation. Ray Garlands, age 41, was uh, killed back on uh, May 15th, about 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, 21-year-old Darius Pratt uh, is now facing murder charges in connection with Garland's death. Uh, Garland's was shot to death near home. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Detectives identified Darius Platt as a participant in uh, electronic monitoring probation. And it was uh, discovered that Darius was allegedly in the immediate area of the homicide location uh, at the time of the shooting. Platt has been arrested, probably made it fairly easy since, uh, you know, he had his electronic monitoring device. Um, we don't, I, I've not been able to find out, by the way, what this offense was for, just that he was on electronic monitoring for a, quote, unrelated offense. Uh, we don't have a, um, a lot of information about this case, but I'm guessing that uh, when we do learn why Mr. Platt was on electronic monitoring, it's not going to be for a jaywalking offense. Uh, this is going to be a case where Mr. Platt was probably eligible for some prison time, instead was sentenced to probation. We're going to put this ankle monitoring device on you so we can keep track of you. And yeah, it helped authorities determine that uh, Platt was a suspect in this murder. But it certainly didn't prevent the murder from taking place, which uh, would have been the case had Darius Platt been behind bars. Now, today's Armed Citizen story from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, wrote about this at Bering Arms earlier today. Armed Citizen uses rifle to stop attempted mass shooting. This is a story that if the media did not have their thumb on the scale of Second Amendment news and issues, if they did not have this mentality of, well, if the body count's high, then we'll report on it. But if it's not, we're just going to let it go. This would have been national news because a mass shooting was stopped by an armed citizen in Fort Smith, Arkansas. This was Saturday morning. A 26-year-old resident of an apartment complex uh, walks outside and starts yelling at his neighbors, you guys get out of here. Come out of here. Everybody get out of the building right now. One of the first people to walk out of the building was his neighbor, 87-year-old Lois Hicks. And she was shot and killed by this guy as, as she walked outside to see what was going on. The 26-year-old then begins firing more shots at apartments, again, yelling at residents to come outside. And then before police could even arrive, this suspect was shot and killed by another resident who had armed himself with a rifle. Stopping the attack in its tracks, saving countless lives. Amber Lane is uh, a resident of the apartment complex. And she said, if he didn't do that, who knows how much worse it would have gotten. Now, again, the national media 
has largely ignored this story. I found one report from ABC News. Hell, even the local media has downplayed this story. I couldn't find a single mention of this in the Southwest Times record, which is the local newspaper for Fort Smith, Arkansas. I did a search for Lois Hicks' name. No returns. As far as I can tell, they didn't even write a story about what happened here. An armed citizen using his legally owned firearm in defense of himself and others, stopping an attack that could have taken multiple lives. Now, we don't know the motivation for this attack. We might never learn the motivation for the attack, given that the attacker was shot and killed uh, by that armed citizen. But as Amber Lane said, we do know that things could have been a lot worse if that armed citizen wasn't there. And rather than report that, most media outlets simply just going to ignore this story entirely. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Marlboro, New Jersey, where a, a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of an elderly couple. This happened uh, Saturday afternoon at the Mill Ponds Condominium Development. Uh, the fire does not appear to be suspicious, but it was a big blaze. Uh, officers on scene within four minutes of this 911 call. And once there, they saw a, an entire building of this uh, condo unit uh, engulfed in flames. Marlboro Police Patrolman Charles Wilson found the door of one of these apartments wide open. And as he went towards the door, he noticed an elderly couple that was having trouble actually exiting. There was a wheelchair-bound resident who was having trouble moving out. He and his wife were trying to find their way to safety. Officer Wilson, along with Patrolman Powell Whiskilow, Patrolman, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, uh, helped the couple to safety before the flames engulfed their unit. The entire building deemed to be uninhabitable, but amazingly, no injuries were reported to either any of the residents or any of the first responders, something that definitely would not have been the case were it not for the efforts of uh, Charles Wilson and uh, Patrolman Powell Whiskilow. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, putting their own lives on the line, uh, we thank you both for your very good deed. All right, listen, before we get out of here, I got I got to I got to talk about one more story here. Just cuz I got to vent about this. I wanted to make this my uh we're actually going to talk about this on Cam and Company and then the Supreme Court decision came down. In Alabama, the sheriff of Mobile County has fired a captain in his department over the captain's support for permitless carry legislation. As it turns out, this captain is actually um, a state representative as well. And he was the primary sponsor of permitless carry this year. His name's Shane Stringer, state representative from the 102nd House District, captain uh, at least for uh, another week and a half or so, in the Mobile County Sheriff's Office. And again, he embraced permitless carry. A lot of sheriffs in Alabama did not. A lot of sheriffs in Alabama were opposed to this because they're worried about losing money. They get cash every time a resident of their county applies for a concealed carry permit. You got to fork over your $20 fee and the sheriff takes his cut. And they're worried about losing that money. What's amazing here is that the sheriff is very open about why he fired Shane Stringer. He's not trying to claim that Shane Stringer uh, you know, uh, uh, was abusive to a, a constituent or 
uh, violated the law himself. As a matter of fact, the spokeswoman for the Mobile County Sheriff's Office says he's a great officer. Another department, you know, could hire him on, no problem. But he can't work here because the sheriff disagrees with constitutional carry legislation. Lori Miles is the spokeswoman. She said that, uh, quote, I think they, meaning the sheriff and Stringer, I think they agreed to disagree. I don't think so. But when you work for a company, she says, you have to abide by the company's philosophies and rules, especially when you're part of a staff or everyone answers to the sheriff. We have to be of one accord. Screw that. And I'm keeping my language polite. I'd like to go a lot worse. What this sheriff is saying is basically he wants a de facto veto power over anything that Representative Stringer were to propose because of where Representative Stringer works. Look, Representative Stringer was elected to represent his constituents, not to represent the position of the sheriff's office. And if the sheriff wants to be the one to determine what legislation gets introduced from that district, well, the sheriff should have run for state representative instead. Now you've got this situation where Sam Cochran, the sheriff of Mobile County, has fired a law enforcement officer who appears to be a good officer because of his position, because of his stance on permitless carry. Now, I did check into this. Recall elections, not a thing in Alabama. You can't recall a governor. You can't recall a uh, state representative. You can't recall a county sheriff, which is a damn shame. But next year's an election year in Mobile County. So voters will have the opportunity to send Sheriff Cochran packing for his authoritarianism. And in the meantime, I hope every gun owner, no, no, no. I hope every resident of Mobile County emails the sheriff, calls the sheriff, and says, this is outrageous what you've done here. By the way, it would be just as wrong for the sheriff, let, let, let's say that Shane Stringer, instead of uh, supporting permitless carry, let's say that Shane Stringer just hypothetically liked gun control. And let's say that Representative Stringer introduced a gun control bill this session. Maybe a uh, firearms ID card, maybe a waiting limit to buy a firearm. And let's say the sheriff disagreed with that and fired Shane Stringer because he disagreed. Oh, no, I don't like waiting periods. We gotta, we gotta this. That would be just as bad. That would be just as egregious. That would be just as much an abuse of authority as it is for the sheriff to fire Representative Stringer over a pro-gun piece of legislation. He was elected state representative to represent the people, not to represent one man. And Sheriff Sam Cochran, this was completely out of line, completely out of bounds. And sir... I hope the voters toss you out of office. I hope you don't get 10% of the vote next year. In fact, I hope the writing is on the wall to the point that you decide not even to run for re-election. That's how egregiously awful your decision to fire Representative Shane Stringer was. We've, by the way, uh, put out a uh, uh, attempt to contact Representative Stringer. I might uh, try to reach out to the sheriff, too, see if he'll come on the program. I don't know if he will after what I just said, but uh, I'd be happy to talk to him about this again egregious abuse of power there in Mobile County, Alabama. 
All right, with that, we will uh, bid you a fond adieu, at least for today. We will be back tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from around the nation. Uh, don't forget, by the way, if you do appreciate the work that we're doing here at BarionArms.com, you can uh, show us a little love by becoming a VIP member. All you got to do is go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe, and you can use the promo code GUNS, G-U-N-S, to get 25% off of your VIP membership. Now, listen. You you become a VIP member. Not only are you showing us support, but, but we're going to give back to you as well. You're going to get exclusive analysis, commentary. I wrote a piece this morning uh, explaining uh, why gun culture, lawful gun culture, is now taking off in the U.S. territory of Guam, for example, and what that might mean for states like California or New York down the road. Uh, if you want that type of commentary, analysis, live chats, and more, again, you can become a VIP subscriber. Just go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS for 25% off. Don't forget as well, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a Barion Arms Cam and Company. Or if you like uh, Rumble.com, that's how you get your video. Just look up Barion Arms Cam and Company there. Uh, Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TownHall.com's podcast page. You can also find the program if you just want the audio version. Don't want to see the uh, big bushy beard. I get it. Some people don't like it. But uh, you know what? Ms. E does. So it's staying. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. Thanks again for being a part of today's program. Until we speak again, be well, be safe, and be free.